0: Welcome to today's episode of Early Detect Studios where we are focused on the theme of pioneering spirit and paradigm shifting in healthcare. We are thrilled to welcome Michael Gorton, a 14-time serial entrepreneur and recognized pioneer of telemedicine. Michael founded and led telehealth giant Teladoc to create what is quickly becoming a trillion-dollar industry globally. Michael currently serves as CEO of his new venture, Recuro Health, transforming the U.S. healthcare system from a reactive disease-focused model to a population health and outcomes approach. In addition to his success as an entrepreneur, Michael also has established his status as a thought leader and an author. Mr. Gorton earned his bachelor's in engineering from Texas Tech, his MS in physics from the University of Texas at Dallas, and his JD from Texas Wesleyan University. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Sheena. It's an honor and a privilege to be here.
0: Absolutely. We're so delighted to have you. So as a well-known quintessential entrepreneur, mentor and company builder, you have proven to be a strategic visionary. Uh, In fact, even before founding Teladoc, you founded Internet Global, a company that delivered the first DSL network and one of the first voice over IP networks at a time when few people really predicted the profound impact that the Internet would have on society and communication. And it's this same uh, pioneering spirit, if you will, this paradigm shifting energy that you brought to medicine and to health with Teladoc. When I read your book, Broken Handoff, I learned that the Teladoc journey actually started on Mount Kilimanjaro, which I thought was really interesting. Please share with us about how the amazing Teladoc journey started. What opportunities were you seeing that may not have been so apparent to others?
1: Well, so Kilimanjaro is a great place for us to start (laughs) because it ties the internet global liquidity event into the starting of Teladoc. I used some of the capital from my liquidity event at Internet Global. Um, called a bunch of friends, said, "Hey, I want to climb Kilimanjaro. I want to put together a team. I'll pay for all of your costs, all of your equipment, everything." And one of the people that I invited was uh, Dr. George Byron Brooks. He's an electrical engineer, MD, um, had served as a uh, one of these physicians who sits on the ground at NASA and talks to the astronauts in space. So can't get any more telemedicine than that. And, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> so we're climbing the mountain and, you know, he's thinking about the fact that I had just built this company and had this great liquidity event and what's going to be next. And right. he had this idea that he called cyber medical services. Uh, I hated the name, uh, but, but the idea was very intriguing to me. And so, um, you know, that was kind of the roots of it. I love saying, telling the young people that that um, there are unicorns on Kilimanjaro. I found one and it's called Teladoc.
0: That's absolutely right. That's right. So whenever there are paradigm shifts in healthcare, um, stakeholders from the entire spectrum have concerns and rightfully so. You know, We should always do our due diligence, if you will. Um, Teladoc was the definition of paradigm shift, if, if there ever has been one in medicine yeah. and healthcare. Um, you know, I, I read that in one instance, uh, you were before a particular regulatory board and you sort of surprised everyone with your unexpected, uh, very uh, congenial approach. And you found a very creative way to make an analogy between the way um, physicians do cross coverage and the way Teladoc right. would work. And that kind of surprised everybody. Um, so I was, Curious to know, what challenges, what resistance did you face in trying to promote change to improve outcomes in healthcare, and And how did you overcome those changes?
1: Um, Well, first of all, let me say, uh, I'm going to go back just a little bit before and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, credit where credit is due. The founding concept of telemedicine came from Dr. Jay Sanders. Now, he'll tell you he's not the father of telemedicine, but... All the rest of us know he is the father of telemedicine. That's that was a seconds. long time. Yeah, yeah, that was in the, in, the, in the 60s. And so why is it that such a great idea started in the 60s and came all the way to 2005? Dr. Brooks and I started this in 2002, in but it really wasn't until 2005 and before we really made our big splash. And Sheena, you put your finger on it. It was resistance from the regulatory bodies. So what was it they were thinking? Um, the, the regulatory bodies, there's in, in the United States, there's 50 of them. Each state has a board of medical examiners. And they are, um, you know, back on my desk, I don't know if you can see it in this video, but there's a little plaque that says judge, jury, executioner. I keep that um, because that's really what the boards of medical examiners are. And, um, you know, they're trying to do the best for the physicians and the patients in their state, uh, but they have their own court system. So you don't fight with them. Uh, if you fight, you lose. And, um, and so the resistance was that physicians should not treat patients they've never touched. And, um, you know, our feeling was that's been happening since the beginning of the telephone. And um, it's been happening in, as you said, something called cross coverage. So what is cross coverage? Uh, Dr. Jones doesn't want to work 24 hours a day. So she calls her colleague, Dr. Smith. um, and, And one covers on Tuesday and Thursday nights. The other one covers on Monday and Wednesday nights. If I'm a patient of Dr. Smith and it's Wednesday night and I get Dr. Jones, the boards are okay with that. Dr. Jones has never met me. And so um, in the beginning they said, well, yeah, that's the doctor saying, um, you know, that this other doctor can cover for them, but well, you know, this is still a free country. And, and so are you saying that my doctor gets to pick who covers for me after hours, but I don't. And so, you know, that was what we ultimately used to convince them uh, that telemedicine is, um, is can be effective because this cup. Co- cross-covering physician doesn't have my medical record, won't get paid for it, doesn't have a way of keeping up uh, with with what's happened. And um, so we fixed all those things. And when we finally convinced the boards of medical examiners, voila, they started agreeing with us.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. So Let's fast forward, if you will, to Recuro Health. Um, You are once again working to transform the U.S. healthcare system, creating what I understand to be a personalized, holistic, digital medical home that results in better outcomes and lower costs. So share with our audience how you are now working to move traditional office in-person settings to wherever the patient, and critically, wherever the data is located. Um, If you could share with us where your vision is right now, I think our audience would enjoy that.
1: Sure. So digital medical home is the key element, but let's look at Teladoc for just a second. A lot of people say, Michael, you know, you, what you guys did with Teladoc, um, created an industry called telemedicine, but my thinking on it is more like an engineer. So what we did was we introduced efficiency where very little efficiency existed. How can we treat simple, small things, with a super efficient engine, that's essentially what Teladoc did. Um, right. You know, fighting the boards of medical examiners and figuring out how to build all of the elements—that was sort of the, the tools that we had to create. But but simple and efficiency is what we is what we were trying to do. So the next step in my mind, um, and this is the task of Recuro, is how do we make sure that we keep people healthy and. Uh, and so, the, we're going to use a digital medical home to deliver the tools, so that people can, in a very simple way, understand how to stay healthy. If you stay healthy, that means you don't get sick, and if you don't get sick, that means you don't add cost to the healthcare system, and that should help fix the um, one of the long term problems. But one of the so we believe we can keep people healthy by being preemptive. But we also believe by doing that, uh, we can stave off age quite a bit. And so there's a lot of longevity elements in the underlying theme of Rehuro. And, you know, we have a saying these days, uh, 60 is the new 40, talking about age. Our goal is 100 is the new 35. (laughs) That's lovely.
0: uh,
1: (laughs) And I know, but...
0: not too far from that. That's right. Well,
1: well, yeah, we're uh, you know I think we're ten years uh, technology wise, biochemistry wise from being able to get people to a hundred with the same kind of health they had when they were thirty five. But that's, that's a great. decision, and and so that's the important thing that Recuro will have to do is it's not going to be a magic pill. It's going to be twenty or thirty things that you have to do on a regular basis, and when you do them. At a hundred, you should be able to be as healthy as you were at
0: 35. Well, that's that's really fascinating. And it, it reminds me of, you know, how we here at Early Detect Studios are particularly passionate about early detection of disease. And by that, I don't necessarily mean at early age, but, you know, in the manifestation of the disease or just finding the risks and identifying propensity for risk early using AI and data. Um, so, we you know, we believe early risk stratification is key to improving outcomes, lowering costs and addressing issues such as social determinants of health, You know, right now, we're particularly focused on maternal health, but we have this vision more broadly as well. So share with us how Recuro is utilizing risk stratification to promote better outcomes. And, you know, maybe on a scale of like a one to 10, how important do you think risk stratification will become for um, detecting, you know, risks early and improving outcomes? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this and understand how Recuro is utilizing risk stratification as well.
1: So this one I can be really simple on, and that is... um, Risk often comes from your habits, uh, but it also comes from what did mom and dad give you and what did their parents give them? So that's genomics. And, right. you know, one of the first things that Rikiro did uh, when we started building our business model was we looked at what are the great genomics engines out there. And we decided that the Cleveland Clinic um, had a, one of the best genomics analysis tools uh, in existence, and that's not surprising. They're always number one or number two hospital in the world, and, um, and so we bought the Cleveland Clinic's genomics tool, and um, and then we bought another one, and so that's what we're going to do to build the baseline for Recuro. We will start with genomics, and with genomics, uh, we can help people understand their own risks. But but if you understand your risks, then you can do the things to again be preemptive. About what might happen in the future.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, when we weave this podcast uh, together so far, um, you know, I want to get back to that pioneering spirit and paradigm shifting skills that you you have, and so you know, have clear. The world has clearly benefited from, um, and I see that they're they're being employed again at Recuro every day. Um, so, I was curious to understand how are you uh, overcoming any challenges that you may recognize today? I mean, may, it could be data quality. It could be um, availability of data. It could be resistance to change once again. Um, it could be the very real problem of physician burnout. Um, you know, how is your current experience at Rekiro similar or different to the Teladoc experience?
1: Well, it's, it's similar because we know the, the the big resistance is going to be in this particular case, it's going to be the dollars. And so if you think about the, the increase in costs of healthcare every single year, um, what, what's, what's causing that? And you know, we're, the, one of the most common phrases these days is we don't have a health care system. We have a sick care system. And, and basically what that means is I pay my uh, insurance fees every single month. Nothing happens for me until I get sick. If if I if if I want a high end physical, I call United Healthcare, I call Etna, name your uh, your uh, insurance plan, um, and they'll say that's an out of pocket expense. Mm-hmm. And so we need to find the things that um, we can do to be again preemptive and catch this in advance. And so what is the big challenge going to be? It's going to be converting sick care into Healthcare, and uh, you know, I'm not going to put on a tinfoil hat, but you know, Mom always said, "Follow the money," and so follow the money, and you'll see where the biggest resistance is going to be.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. So, following up on an element from an earlier question, how do you foresee the role of AI in healthcare changing over the next five or say ten years?
1: Um, well, listen, um, I think AI is going to be a great tool. That the physicians will use to help them in analyzing. Um, With AI, they can eliminate all of the things uh, that are not potential causes. At the end of the day, I think as humans, we don't want a machine making the decision. We'd like to have a human who's best informed and, Absolutely. Uh, you know, so some point, maybe a hundred or two hundred years in the future, you know, we may trust the machines one hundred percent. But today, we want that human touch, and um, and so if we can simplify the doctor's um, job by eliminating all of the things that it isn't, uh, mm-hmm. and we can do that with AI. Um, so I, I think AI is going to be huge.
0: Absolutely. So. If we're able to sort of identify propensity for risk and, you know, I think what you're saying is really critical because understanding those that are high risk and also understanding those that are low risk is, is you know, very important. Both of those sides of the spectrum are important, especially when it comes to, you know, allocating resources. So do, do you think that AI will have significant impact in health outcomes over the next, you know, five or 10 years?
1: Yes, I think it will. But, but again, let, let's remember that AI is a function of how good the programmers are and how good their data yep. is. And so that is another thing that we will have to keep improving as time
0: goes on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as a healthcare visionary, I was hoping to wrap up with your advice to healthcare entrepreneurs. I'm sure a lot of them are listening, um, particularly about paradigm shifting in healthcare. Um, and feel free to share any additional closing remarks that you would like for our audience.
1: Sure. Well, you know, um, you said you read my book. There it is right there on my on my desk behind me. Um, it, it, one of the goals of that book was to try and help the entrepreneurs understand some of the elements. And so, I, you know, my personal thing is I believe that every successful business happens, first of all, with the people. And, um, you know, the people look at me and say Teladoc, but I can tell you for a fact that Teladoc was successful because we surrounded ourselves with people that were smarter than me, um, and uh, we listened to their advice. We did not take our egos into the boardroom. um, When somebody had a piece of good advice and they're smarter than you, listen to them and apply it. Uh, So I think you start with with the right person. Um, You have to have a business plan that makes sense. And you have to recognize that success isn't overnight. You are going to get knocked down and kicked in the teeth over and over and over again. And successful people are the ones who, when they're laying on the ground bleeding, they get up, put a smile on their face and they say, let's go again. So, you know, to me, it's three Ps. It's the people, it's the plan and it's persistence.
0: Absolutely. What a wonderful ending uh, to this uh, interview, Michael. Thank you so, so very much. We truly enjoyed hearing about your journey, uh, which is all about paradigm shifting and the pioneering spirit, which was the theme of today's uh, episode. Uh, We wish you the very best as you embark on this journey with Rekiro Health. Uh, To our audience, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Early Detect Studios. And until next time, be well.